All right. Fist bump two people and say, I'm glad you're here. Come on, you know that's going to happen somewhere, even if it's somebody you don't know. See, didn't you get some anger out? You fist bumped people. You got to ball up your fist in church. Isn't that cool? What's up? Boom. I got you. Thank you, Harley. By the way, thank you to our production and our creative team. They got everything rocking and rolling this morning. When I break things down, they had my back right there. I thought something was broken. It was probably me if it was. So thank you all for being here today. I'm going to try to stay put so I don't shake the stage too much because if I do, it would be like that table. I didn't build it, I promise. But uh, if I would have, it would have fallen, so don't judge me. So it would have been good times, right? right? So I just want to say, we keep saying it a lot, but a lot of us have had family who are in military uh, who've actively served, and we've had family that we've lost. So thank you so much if you have served or you've had family that served and you've had someone who has passed away and paid the ultimate price. You know, this time of year we always say freedom doesn't come free, and we're reminded of that. Also, this time of year we're reminded of all those first responders who went into things like 9-11, which is something that changed our world completely. But the thing about 9-11 that I love and the thing that we're talking about in this season is sometimes that can make us hard in our heart, but we are not going to be hard in our heart at the Vine Church. We are going to reclaim the table. And today I'm so excited about what we're talking about because over these past few weeks, we've been challenging everyone uh, with this 30-day challenge, and we've been talking about what that looks like, and we'll remind you of what that is in just a little bit. But as I was getting ready for today, it made me think of the holiday gatherings we're about to have. So how many folks have like the crazy uncle or crazy aunt or crazy person in their family? For those who didn't raise the hand, that's probably you. I know that that's me and my family, so that's okay. That's okay. So if you don't know that, congratulations. You left church with revelation today that you're the crazy one. What you do with it is up to you, but I can tell you, you can have a lot of fun with it. I promise you I do. So if that's you, it made me think about the holidays and how crazy it can be, but it always made me think of how much I love the holidays. You're going to hear me talk about this throughout this whole series is no matter where we were in life, we always had a meal, a meal. Like there was always a holiday meal. Like there was always that third cousin, second removed, twice times 14 multiplication, something, whatever that looked like, right? Like that we had in those family that we never met at the reunion. But at the holiday time, there was always a seat for them at the table. Even if we had to go get it from upstairs from like the kids' room and it was like the pull-out table we had hidden in the garage or whatever, there was always room for them at the table. And that's something that I want us to be reminded of as we dive into this series. Uh, last week was kind of like the appetizer of the series. We kind of laid the groundwork of where we're going. But today I really want us to look at our heart. You know, Matthew 5, 8 says it like this when we're talking about what we look like. Uh, and, and we talked about Jesus and, and, and kind of what he's doing. And this is a, a lead up of the Sermon of the Mountain. It's something that we've probably heard as the Beatitudes. So Matthew 5, 8, we're going to get that on the screen here in a second as I turn to it. Matthew 5, 8 says this, Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I don't know about you, but that's somebody I want to see. You know, because of Jesus, I can see him and not be afraid. Because of Jesus, I can actually have a relationship with God. Because of Jesus, I can sit at the table and know God, the very creator of the universe. But something that I love about this, where we've lost touch so many times when we're reclaiming the table, is where is our heart at? Because you know, I mean, you know. You know the people in your family, you know they're going to get four boxes of leftovers to take with them, and they didn't bring nothing. Now, you know who them are. You know who they are, and I know you judge them. Don't lie. And if it's you, bring some ice or something next time. Come on, step up your game. Like, do something. Bring a drink or some tea or something. But you know those people in your family. But sometimes, can our heart be in the wrong place? This may be the last time we see this person. Let's be real. We may not see them again until next Christmas. 
So, so many times we worry about those little things because our heart is not in the right place. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about being pure in heart as we go through this Reclaim series. Pure in heart. And so, for each and every one of us, coming from the crazy one here, that's talking about being pure in heart, I want to remind us of this 30-day challenge that we've had. Has anybody anybody had any success with a 30-day challenge so far? I'm seeing some nods. Some people don't know what that is. That's wonderful. We're going to throw that on the screen. But it's this, these two things that I think are very, very reasonable. Number one, pray over every meal. And number two, eat with your family at least three times in a week. I've, I've laid out that we're going to have, well, you've got one freebie every Thursday, guys. <laughs> one freebie every Thursday. You can come meet with a family and you say pray over every meal. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what that looks like. Hey, listen, it's not about whether you know how to pray or not. What it's truly about is you saying this. We talked about it last week. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Use me today to make your name more famous and drop the mic. That's all you got to pray. If you don't know how to pray, say those words over every meal and watch what Jesus does with it. See if your table's not reclaimed. See if you can't see God clearly, more clearly, and when you do that. So let's dive in. If you got your Bible, we're going to be in Luke 14. Stories that we all know. Luke 14. If you've got that, we're going to go all the way through to verse 24. We are going to go a long way. So if you got your Bible, you want a thumb there. Uh, maybe you don't have your Bible, you can watch on screen. We're going to be reading from the NIV. So if your version looks a little different than your version app, that's kind of where we are. So Luke 14, and we're going to dive in. So Luke 14 says this, verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, oh, how lucky was he, he was being carefully watched How many folks know that folks are carefully watching us? Like at the holidays, don't you know that? Like I told you, that person who takes four boxes of leftovers, like they're being carefully watched. Everybody's waiting. Like it's eager anticipation. It's either that or everybody's ready to go and you're waiting for the first person to go out so you can dart with them. Like let's be real. If you got kids, you use that as an excuse. Like, hey, they got somewhere to go. They got to be somewhere this afternoon. (laughs) They got homework to do. It's summer. They're in summer school. Don't worry about it, right? Like you got something going on in your life. Like you're being carefully watched. So that's where Jesus is at this moment in time. Like, in this time of day, like these Pharisees, it's kind of like, I don't know, this time last year, it's really funny that this happened because I wrote this in my notes, and it's even funnier that we have some folks that I got to meet this time last year for the first time. We're in New York City, and one of my favorite places to go was the Met. Now, I wore some people out, and they probably hated me for it. I'm not going to lie to you, but they stuck in there with me, and they loved me like a brother. Uh, And the Met is somewhere, it's this really cool museum in New York City, and I got to hang out there and see some folks who were really reclaiming the table and open their table up for anyone. It's really, really awesome. And the work that they're doing to get the gospel out into the world to people who have never heard it before. It's really crazy. But I wrote this down because a couple weeks ago, you probably saw on social media like they had the Met Gala, right? Like, I don't know if everybody saw it. They were dressed all crazy. Like, I don't know if everybody saw they had these outfits. I don't know what it was. Like, I'm not cool like that, so (laughs) they had these crazy outfits, and they dressed all funny in sorts of ways, but what it was was basically rich people celebrity catching. Like, let's be real. That's all it was. It was rich people and celebrities. Like, those were those the two people that were there. Like, there were celebrities there, but it was rich people paying so that they could get a picture with a celebrity. 
That's where Jesus is right here. He's with a prominent Pharisee, and that's what's happening. Jesus is a celebrity at this moment in time. Like, people are hearing about his miracles, they're hearing who he is, and they may not quite agree with him, but they got to get the picture. They want to get that picture to put up there. You know, like, they got to get that selfie with this person like they ran into on the street. Like, they want to make sure that they get a picture with Jesus. So that's where Jesus is right now. He's being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Mine's not abnormal, it's because i got to watch what I eat. But he had abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? I love this. Or not. But they remained silent. Because, see, their heart wasn't about whether he was healing on the Sabbath or not. They were already watching him carefully. They were just trying to make sure they were in the picture. You know what I mean? Like, like when they had the Last Supper, they wanted to make sure that they were with the 12 disciples somehow. They were hoping that painting got with them somehow. You know, like, they just wanted to make sure they were in those pictures somehow. Like, when you look back in the yearbook, like, oh, yeah, that was me with that person that I didn't talk to. I just happened to be in the photo, right? Like, they wanted to make sure because they paid good money kind of like going to a presidential dinner or something where you pay $10,000 a plate for food. You can come to my house for $5,000. it will be cool. We'll get good pictures. We'll have a good time. The money will go to good use. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's just how it goes. So that's where Jesus is, and that's what they're thinking. They're worried about whether they're in the picture or not, so they don't answer him. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. He goes on to say this in verse 5, Then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox and it falls into a well on the Sabbath, Will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. It continues on to say in verse 7. It says, when he noticed how the guest picked the places of honor at the table. We're about to get to our first point in a minute, but I love what Jesus is doing. See, the table is meant for discipleship in our life. So many times we miss that. There's so many things that happen around the family dinner table. Like when mom and dad just ask, hey, how's it going? Or when grandma asks, how's it going? Or, or, when, or, or when grandpa asks, what's happened in your day today? How is it going? Like, have you ever seen how people light up? Have you ever seen in your life, like when Ann and uncle says, hey, what would you learn at school today? Nothing. Yeah, I didn't either. Like, right? Like, something like that. Like, when somebody just asks what happened, like, Jesus is using this moment as a discipleship moment. He told them this parable. When someone invites you into a wedding feast... Oh, and this is where it's all going to end in a little bit. And we're going to talk about this wedding feast. Do not take the place of honor. Now, I'm going to ask you something. This Met Gala that happened, if I paid a lot of money to go to that gala and I had my best outfit on, my best dress, if I wore a dress, bless y'all, y'all might as well go ahead and shut it down. But I had my best outfit. Like, I had my tailored suit on. Like, I looked exactly like I wanted. I had dressed like the King of England or whatever in the world they had going on there. I don't know what they had going on. But whatever they had going on, I paid some good money. Say I paid like $20,000 for this. You best believe I'm going to sit at a seat that I thought was worth $20,000, right? And that's what the disciples are thinking. Like, in this moment in time, the way that this happened with the celebrity catching, as we're talking about, is when Jesus was eating at the table, the table was, yes, much lower. But what would happen is him and these people would be sitting in the center of the room, and everyone else would be from a distance watching, sitting at the table. And so Jesus is sitting at the table, the celebrity, and everybody's trying to work their way to the table. Because they're standing up eating. Like, they're over here trying to get some hors d'oeuvres or whatever the heck you call those things. Or, you know, I'm just saying whatever that stuff is. They're trying to get some, some extras or they're going ahead and hitting the dessert line first because they understand how the covered dish works. you got to hit that first before everything else because that's what gets gone first is the dessert line. So they're over here trying to figure out what's happening at the table. And they're watching from a distance. So they're trying to get and they're fighting, scratching and clawing to get to the table of honor. I wonder how many of us are just trying to fight to get to the table today. We'll pay any price to sit close to Jesus. 
We're going to talk about that price has already been paid. So I don't know, maybe that's where you are today. You're thinking you've got to pay a price to get to Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, he's sitting there at the table waiting for you. And so he's standing there. And he talks about this. He says, don't pick the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. Like if I paid for it and the mayor of New York comes into the Met at the gala and I paid a ton of money and he gets my seat. He's in New York all the time. I'm the one who paid all this money. Like I better get my seat, right? Like I don't care about the mayor, right? But what's going to happen is that person's going to say, <clears throat> Uh, what's your name again? Could you scooch on down? <laughs> Could you scooch on down, right? And they're going to move me to some other table, and I'm going to be standing around. Well, that's what these Pharisees are doing, and all these people are doing is they're scratching and clawing, trying to get to this table. And if so, the host who invited both of you will come to you and say, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will, take, you will have to take the least important place. And we'll end up in verse 14 in a little bit. Verse 10 says this, but when you are invited, take the lowest place. See, Jesus is discipling here. He took the lowest place for us. He's reminding them and he's showing them this so that when they look back on this and they see in the Gospels, hey, remember, I came humbly to this earth for you. I came in the lowest possible position, right? And so that's what I think about this time of year too with Memorial Day. These folks who went out and fought for us, they took the lowest position so that we could have the freedom that we get to have. And sometimes we just don't even, we don't even understand what they go through. So he says this, you take the lowest place so that when your host comes, they will say to you, hey, the mayor of New York didn't show up. You get to have his seat. How cool is that? Like, I went from the front, I went from like the nosebleed section to the front row. Like, I'm in the box seat maybe. Maybe I got the free stuff, right? Like, I got to step into that. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I said verse 14. I'm sorry, we're going to end on verse 11. Verse 11. So here's the first thing I want you to talk about. When we're talking about being pure in heart, this is going to be like crazy. It's going to be so deep. It's going to be so crazy. Are you ready? It's going to be like a 30-word sentence. I hope everybody's got their pen ready. Tough crowd. (laughs) Get your heart right. It's that simple. Get your heart right. When you want to be pure in heart, you got to get your heart right. So what was this talking about when I'm saying get your heart right? Well, remember last week we talked about the table. We talked about in Exodus, there was this table in the temple. It started in the tabernacle, like God told Moses how to build this table. And this table for the temple would have the showbread on it. And it had to be fresh showbread every day. And this table was important. Well, see, to the Pharisees and the Jews of the time, what they thought they had to do, it's going to be the biggest thing that, if you don't get anything today, hear me, hear me right this from this point on, is this. If you, if you don't hear anything, hear this. See, the Jews at this time thought they had to go to the table in the temple to receive the grace of God. Because see, what would happen is that table was the last place they would go. And, and when they had their sacrifice, see, the sacrifice and the bloodshed was for the atonement of their sin. And what it meant was for them, honestly, for the Jewish people before Jesus came, it meant that God turned his head away from their sin. Like he could, he could not see their sin, but they had to continually sacrifice these animals time and time again. So they thought to find the grace of God, they had to go to the temple, to the table of showbread at the temple. But you see, here's what Jesus did. He said, you don't have to go to the temple to experience grace. I'm bringing grace to you. And he sits at the table right there. And what's so mind-blowing is they're so caught up 
and their position. They're so caught up in what they have to do. They're so caught up of scratching and clawing just to be part of the celebrity table, just to be in the middle school in crowd, the high school cool crowd, the letterman table, the band table, the, the, the acting table, the, the, the beta club table, the, 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 the chess club table, all of those things, the key club table. They were fighting so hard to get to the table that they didn't understand. Grace had already come down and he was sitting right in front of them. If they would just sit down where he was calling them to go. But so many times our heart isn't right either because our table, we worry about what our table looks like, who's sitting where. We think of it like a wedding, like, don't you have a signed seating at a wedding? Isn't that crazy how a lot of people will have like, okay, well, we can't put that ant with this person. I know how they feel. We can't, mm -mm, mm -mm. Last time they was together, it was a ruckus. We ain't got time for that, right? Like, we think of all these things, or we think about, dang, she ain't going to like his mouth. That ain't going to be good. He going to talk. He going to say something. She going to get mad, and I don't, I don't have time for stuff to be thrown, and you know there's probably alcohol at the wedding, so it's going to get crazy on these people. Like, there's gonna, something crazy is about to happen, so I can't have them together. <laughs> it don't mix, right? That's where these Pharisees are, and they're so worried about what people think. They're so worried about their position at the table that they miss out that Jesus has already brought grace to them instead of them having to go and get grace at the table of the temple. And so many times for us, when we're reclaiming our table, I want us to see that Jesus has already covered our table with grace. Jesus has already covered our table with grace. If we will just get our heart right to see that he brought it down to us instead of worried about who's sitting there. You see, in this moment of time, that, that's hard because we do have that celebrity crush. Let's be real. We got a celebrity crush. I would. You know, if there's certain people we see on the street, I'm going to make sure I take my picture. If you follow me on social media, you won't see much. I'm sorry. I'm not good at that kind of thing. But, like, if I see somebody I think is famous, I'm probably going to take their picture, right? Like, I think that's something. And they were like, hey, I'm coming to your house today. Something cool's about to happen. Like, it's going to be like, oh, my goodness, I got to get stuff cleaned up. I better call somebody. Something's got to be worried. And I'm going to spend all my time trying to get ready for this person to come. And then they probably wouldn't show up, and I'd be mad, and it'd be all right. I'd blast them on social media. That's just how I was because my heart wasn't right. But for each and every one of us, as we're reclaiming our table, I want us to get our heart right. You see, Jesus is in this moment, and, and he's looking at the Pharisees, and it makes me think of a time like this. Like, he knows the Pharisees aren't going to say anything to him. He knows that they aren't going to say anything to him when he goes to heal this man. Don't miss, don't miss that this man was healed at the table. So imagine this. Imagine this. We're having this dinner, okay? It's kind of like a wedding dinner. And, you know, like the wedding party is always like sitting somewhere over to the side, right? Like, because they got to get pictures and the bride and groom ain't going to eat for two days because it just ain't going to happen. Because everybody tries to fix them a plate of food, it don't happen. They're going to go to McDonald's or Krispy Kreme on the way to their honeymoon. That's just how it's going to work out, let's be honest. So they're over here at this, this table off by themselves, okay? This man comes up. He needs to be healed. And I'm just thinking of all these people looking at this man that needs to be healed. Who he think he is? I know he didn't pay to get in here. Like, who is it? He's probably dressed different probably smells probably looks a little different he's swollen <laughs> so he's not swollen the right way he's swollen he's he needs some healing like there's something going on with him and he walks straight to the table Jesus heals him and Jesus heals him but yeah so many times for us where we can be stuck is is like Jesus knows hey 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 just see that I've brought grace down like it makes me think I wonder what we do and how we treat people like this, like this. Like, what if a nurse helps a terminal ill patient? We celebrate her, right? Isn't that awesome? Terminally ill, they're in hospice care. They're walking through these last stages with this person. Don't we celebrate that? Isn't that great? But if I go out to eat with a drunkard this afternoon and I post it on social media, I wonder what you would think about me. 
a person that you know stumbling up and down the street staggering. I wonder what you would think about me. I wonder what we would think about each other when we see that. You see, God's been rocking my world, reminding me of that. I would never get mad for a nurse helping a sick person, but Jesus came so that he could heal the sick, the deaf, the dead could have life, the blind could see. He came so that grace could cover the table. Yet so many times I wonder about who's at my table. Now that doesn't mean that I have to agree with what somebody across from me says, but it makes me think in all the cultures of the world and around the world and all these other religions and all these other places. We talked about the Amish religion and the Jewish religion last week. Like we talked about all these things, like it revolves around the family meal and around the table. So why in the world would I not open up my table to people who aren't like me, who don't look like me, don't talk like me, don't believe what I believe, to show them the hope that is Jesus Christ? And yet so many times, if I did that or you did that, I'd probably be like, you know, it'd be like the three dots. It'd be like ghosting you. You know, like you saw that. Hey, look who's eating with me. You ate with them? Mm Mm-hmm. I know what you're going to do this weekend. Right? Isn't that how we feel so many times? What if we reclaimed the table and we didn't allow that to happen in our lives and the lives of those that we love? What if we did meet with people who didn't look like us, didn't talk like us, didn't act like us? What if our guest list was completely different? The only way we can do that is to get our heart right because pride and greed will step in the way of doing that. That's where the Pharisees were. They had their pride and their greed take over. They just wanted to be in on the picture. They just wanted to be at the table. They were scratching and clawing to get at the table. And so many of us are doing that right now in our relationship with God. We think there's a price we have to pay, a tithe we have to give. We think there's an amount of money we have to give to charity, an offering, a service to get to God. And I'm going to tell you, none of that matters if you haven't experienced who Jesus is first. And that only happens at the table when you see that he has brought grace down and covered the table. Which, by the way, how do we start our, our meals over these next 30 days, I said we want to pray over every meal, right? What's another word that we call prayer? Grace, right? Grace. I wonder why that is. Maybe because grace has covered the table. That's only because Jesus came. So I wonder, I wonder if so many times in our life would my heart be right? Would I judge who you have around your table? Or would I see that your heart is that you're trying to be Jesus to those around you? Those that need him those that look different, those that definitely don't agree with you. Hey, there are times in my life, there are times throughout my week that I get to interact with people who definitely don't believe what I believe, who make fun of me because I don't believe what they believe. But I tell you what, I don't walk away with them without having a positive interaction because I know grace is covering this conversation. I know grace is covering these things. I don't trim down the truth. Understand that. Jesus is who he says he is, and I'm not backing off on that. But I will tell you this, I'm not going to turn somebody off because of what I don't believe instead of saying, here's what I do believe, and I want you to know you're welcome at my table anytime. I wonder if we reclaim the table that way, how much different our life, our life would look. The last thing, and I want to beat this point down to the ground for real here, is this, is Jesus is using this discipleship opportunity with, with the disciples here. You know, Luke, we talk about this, it, you know, there's a lot of times folks put some conjecture in there and they can argue that Luke was a doctor, he wasn't a doctor. They, they go through this back and forth and, you know, he's, he's taking all these, these, these accounts of the onlookers that were Jesus, he's gl- gathering it and collecting it. And we see he's mentioned with Paul a couple of times. And so I was thinking, I was like, man, do I drop this? But I'm going to trust that Jesus knows this. So we're looking at Luke and he's the doctor and he's got all of these eyewitness accounts of who Jesus is and what's happening at the table. And it made me wonder, about this interaction, what's happening here. 
And Jesus is showing us how to disciple. He's actually showing us how to raise up children. Like he's actually showing us how to raise up family. It's not about the place of honor. Man, I wish I could have learned that in middle school and high school, don't you? That place of honor, like wasn't there always a table you wanted to be at? And if I'm completely honest with me, I, if I'm completely honest with you, I'm going to connect with you and say I really didn't care. I never cared about being at the table. My table was usually open. But that doesn't mean that I'm better or worse. That just means I wasn't cool enough to be at the cool table, so I just didn't worry about it, right? Like, it makes me wonder, how many times would we around our family table, though, teach our children that it's not about the position at the table, it's about the opportunity and the blessing that at least we get to be at the table, that we get to celebrate this. Because today, we live in a country where we eat three meals a day. Some of us eat five meals if you're into the protein thing or whatever. You eat a lot a day. Like, we're in a country where that happens. We're in a country where we have running water. We don't think twice about it. We're in a country where we can go get gas at the gas station and go from point A to point B, no matter what. Like, we live in a country that's free, and yet so many times we worry about our position in the neighborhood and where we rank on the house and how big it is and how great our car is and, and what we look like and what our friends think. More importantly than just being able to sit at the table, Jesus says, hey, don't worry about the place of honor. Just sit at the table with me. Be thankful that you get to be a part of the feast that is to come. But so many times we get stuck there, don't we? Like, I get stuck there. Y'all got macaroni and cheese? Yeah, I'll hit y'all next week. I ain't got time for y'all. Y'all can figure that out. I'll make it next time. You should have hollered at you, boy. I got to figure something out, right? Like, I thought this was covered dish. Like, you got hash on Memorial Day? Awesome. You got macaroni and cheese? You ain't, mm, mm, baked beans. Nice. Thank you. Like, right? Like, we think those things, right? Like, that's where we are. But instead, we just should be thankful that we at least get to be at the table because humility always leads to blessing because your humility is part of your obedience to who Jesus has called you to be. Don't worry about the place of honor. Be excited that you get to be at the table because the Jews thought they had to scratch and claw to get there when Jesus was here. Like they had to go figure out, okay, do I get a, a goat to sacrifice, a ram, a sheep, or a dove? I'm going to get two of every kind and bring it up there because I know I messed something up. I'm going to go ahead and bring that on to, the, to have that, that priest sacrifice them all. It's a sin offering, a friendship offering, a peace offering. i got to figure all this out. No, no, no. Jesus made it simple for us. He came. He covered the table with grace. And so I wonder if we would get our heart right to see that maybe Jesus has put people in our lives that can come sit with us at the table. Or will we just say, they ain't coming. Did you, did you see who they ate with this week? Mm-hmm. Jay-Z and Beyonce killing me. I don't know what in the world. Who do they think they are, right? Right? Who bit Bay? If you know, you know. It is what it is. But like, really, seriously, we get stuck on that. But what if you were actually investing the gospel into them? Step by step, bit by bit, just like Jesus was. He didn't tone down who he was to the Pharisees. He didn't stop healing the sick. He didn't stop giving the blind sight. He didn't stop having the dead be raised to life. He didn't stop that. He was who he says he was. But he also took every moment as a teaching opportunity. And I wonder if we reclaim the table as a teaching opportunity to show our children that they matter. I wonder how our schools would look different. I wonder again as we had another shooting on Friday. I mean, this is crazy. How kids in our, in our world think that they're all alone and the only way that they can lash out is to bring a gun in a school. I wonder if our table was open for them just to vent just to talk about how they feel. I can't tell you that would have prevented it, but I wonder if it would have made a difference. What if we got to be the gospel to those? Because so many times those children are scratching and clawing to get to that table that they don't understand with their family. There's always a seat at the table. 
So I would ask myself, and I'm asking you to hold me accountable to that. Will we get our heart right? Let's continue with the story because you know I could talk for three hours. You know how I roll. Luke 14, verse 12, says this. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. I could see he had his hair. Jesus had his hair flying when he said rich neighbors. It was great. Your rich neighbors. <laughs> and he sang moving on up. It was great. If you do, they may invite you to move. They may invite you back and they will repay you. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. We're going to talk about that in just a minute because that can be really confusing too. You will be repaid. So here's what's happened with this host. You know, there are other accounts of Jesus eating with Pharisees. We've talked about it before, the woman with the alabaster jar, how she walked in and she went up to that table. Jesus was at the celebrity table again, and she's she's wiping him with her tears, and, and she anoints him with that alabaster jar and that oil, right? Like, and Jesus says, hey, don't stop her doing what she's doing because she's preparing me for burial. And everybody's just like, burial? You're crazy, Jesus. What you mean? Like, they're on this crazy place. They're missing out on who Jesus is. And so he's looking at this host, and remember what he told the host in that story is he said, you didn't greet me with a kiss, you didn't wash my feet, you didn't welcome me in. He's looking at the host at this moment, too, who is this prominent Pharisee and says, hey, 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 stop celebrity catching. Stop having business meetings at lunch. Have no agenda. Have no agenda. Just get to know each other. Get to say, how are you, and shut up for 30 minutes and listen to how somebody tells you how they are. How hard is that? For me, it's real hard. You can tell because I'm talking right now. Like, how hard is that, though? When we reclaim the table, he's telling them this. He says, hey, hey, go to this person who you call, who you call an, an addict or this person who is terrible, who this person that you don't know, that you, see, that you just see who's struggling in life, that you can't stand. <laughs> They're just struggling. And all of a sudden, just say, how are you? Let it pour out. Watch what Jesus does with it. It's hard for me sometimes because I'm going to say, I ain't talking to that person. I ain't got time for that. That's hard for me sometimes, right? But at the same time, there are people in my life that Jesus has placed for a purpose. And so I just say, how are you? Not so that they can repay me back. Because that's what I think of, right? Like I have my dinner party. You know, I got my dinner party. I, I don't have dinner parties. But if I did have dinner parties, I had a dinner party and I would think, you know, like I always think of those movies. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's the soap operas during the day or something like, well, they always have a better dinner party at the next one. And like it's a competition on who can have the better dinner party. Also think of the producers. I don't know why, but that's terrible. But I think of like something crazy, like something along those lines. And I think of how people just always try to one-up each other. But what if we had our table as a place where we didn't worry about who was going to repay us? We just blessed people. That's why I'm thankful for you being generous at the vine. Because you bless people you don't even know around the world. When you give, whatever God's called you to give, I'm not here to tell you what a percentage or a dollar amount. I tell you this every week. You're blessing people. You're not worried about whether you're going to get repaid. You're not even worried about whether you're going to get to see that person confess Jesus as Lord for the first time. You're believing that Jesus can do more with it than you can do with it in your bank account. Thank you for giving. Because this is what it means right here. You invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Think about that. Think of all those people. Do you think they care where they sit at the table? The poor don't care. They're excited they get to be at the table. The crippled will have a place at the table. The lame who can't walk will have a place at the table. The blind will have a place at the table. 
They might not even know the table was there. What if Jesus has put a table in front of you so that he could show himself and reveal himself to somebody who's never seen him before and they don't even realize he's there? And all it takes is you saying, what are you doing for dinner? Or, what are you doing Thursday night at 625? I know a place. I can meet you there. Maybe that's where it is. Shameless plug. Thursday night greenhouse gathering. I told you all the way through. I know a place. Come hang out. I know a place. So the second thing that we got to do is reclaim the table for outreach. We got to get our heart right. Because if we don't have our heart right, we can never really outreach the same. We, if we don't have our heart right, there's always an agenda to the outreach. And don't get me wrong, like, when we're evangelizing and we're doing things, absolutely, we want to see people confess Jesus as Lord. Like, that's, that's awesome to see the Spirit is going to move in their lives. We just get to be a part of them taking the next step toward Him. Whether we get to see them get baptized, whether we get to see them give for the first time, whether we get to see them serve for the first time, that's not up to us. We just get to be a part of it. But so many times, we just want to push people through, don't we? Like, like, I don't have kids, so I'm sorry, I can't completely connect with you. But I know for people who have children, you see so much potential in them, right? And you just want them to do good. Like, if they just choose this path, if they just go this way, if they just go right instead of left. But here's the thing. If they were supposed to go right and they went left, you still love them, right? How much more does a God in heaven love us when, when we choose the wrong way to go? And so many times our table is where we get to show folks that we're with them no matter what path they choose. No matter what path they choose. I wonder if we would be okay with that. I wonder if that would be okay even if people who don't believe Jesus is who he says he is ate at our table. Do we always have to debate theology everywhere we go? Do we always have to get deep, deep in there? Or is the gospel just simply Jesus and him crucified? I wonder if we would get back to that, how much that would change the world. I wonder if we would get back to the place to say, you don't have to earn your right at the table. You don't have to do all these things to be here. I wonder how much different the world would look. How much different it will look. Because cultures around the world, when they invite you to their table, it's a big deal. This time last year, we were getting to experience that. Like, I got to experience that when folks say, hey, if they invite you in, that's a big deal. But for us, it's like, uh, do you see this house? I'm not going in there. Like, we're thinking of all the things and the reasons we can't. Like, I can't park in that drive. I've seen the potholes. I know what's happening. <laughs> things going to happen. I can't be in that place. I can't go in that apartment. They don't look like me. What are they going to do? Is there an escape route? Is this going to be like something like where somebody's going to come and get me? Like, do you have special skills? Like, is something going to happen like that? Like, are we going to have one of those things? Is it going to be an interaction like that? Or are we going to trust? We're going to trust that when somebody says, hey, I'm inviting you to the table, I'm inviting you to another level in my life. Like, this is something about me you don't know. Like, would we trust that? Would we trust that? Would we trust that maybe our guest list at the cookout tomorrow can be a little different? See, something that I've been trying to do, I'll be honest with you, because it's hard sometimes. Man, it's hard. Especially when their dog poops in my yard all the time and their kids run rampant. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy at the West household. It is what it is. But uh, in the West Manor, I guess. I don't know what you would call it. But anyway, uh, where we get to have greenhouse gathering, it's actually really entertaining. It's really fun. But I've been trying to invest in my neighbors. It's been really crazy. It's been really hard. I really, really have. I've been trying to get to know them and not look like the creepy guy that just gets upset because I see the dog pooping in the yard and then I see two other dogs pooping on my porch and I don't know who they are. There's just dogs everywhere. I don't know. Like, 
Thank God it's not cats. It'd be a crazier story if it was. But, like, there's dogs everywhere and kids everywhere running around with shirts and diapers. And it's just like, what is happening? Where are parents at? How did this happen? Like, then it made me think, this is an awesome opportunity for me to invest in those around me. What if I just invited them to come be a part of Thursday night? They see cars at my house. They already think I'm crazy. They probably think I'm selling drugs. I'm not going to lie to you because every Thursday night my house has cars at it. They're probably thinking there's something there. And so maybe they come with that, with that hope that i got something to satisfy the need that they have. And I've got food and I've got Jesus who's going to fill that need more than I ever could or the drug that they're searching and seeking could ever, ever could. But it, what if it just took me saying, hey, on Thursday night i got to come hang out with me. I've got some looks. I ain't going to lie to you. <laughs> got some blinds shut around me like every time. Like I just say, hmm, there's that realtor guy again. He probably wants me to sell, he probably wants me to sell my house. No, it's not. I'm actually inviting you to church. I don't know if that's, that's weird or not, but there's that guy. So I see some blinds shutter, and that's okay. I, I understand that, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to stop. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to quit investing. Like what if our guest list over this cookout, what if we just invited one neighbor from our neighborhood to our cookout? One, maybe it's the one that you don't like the most. I'm sure I'm on that list, so I better be getting some cookout invitations because I've been knocking on your door just saying, hey, when you're out in the yard, uh, putting mulch out. What if, what if our guests looked different? What if we were the people that people said, you know what, I could have a dinner, I could have a meal with that guy. I don't feel like he's going to judge me. What if we were the people, time out here because you know where I am on this, and if you know me, we'll talk about this, but, but for real, for real. What if we were the people that they said, hey, you want to grab a beer? Obviously, I'm not going to drink it when I go out there. That, that's between me and Jesus. But at the same time, I'm not going to judge you there. What if, what if people were like, hey, I could have a beer with that guy? What if they said I could hang out with that? I wonder what the church would look like for me today if, you, if somebody said, hey, I invited Tyler out for a beer last night. I wonder what everybody would think, especially after I'm sweating from load in. I already stank, so y'all know I got some things wrong with me. I wonder what everybody would think. Or would the heart be right and understand that I'm just trying to be Jesus to somebody? It doesn't mean that I'm going to be out there doing that. It just means that that's where I'm at. I wonder if we would be those people. I wonder if even if that's the case and Jesus was fine and we were fine and, and that's where we were, I wonder if we would trust that. Or if somebody said, yeah, we were out till 2 a.m. We shut the bar down last night. What would everybody think? What would you think? That's how I know my heart's not right, because I'd just probably be like, yeah, that's why you weren't here this morning loading in. Mm -hmm. I know that's probably what I would think, right? That's probably where it was, but that's not what we're supposed to do. Because as we're followers of Jesus, we're always supposed to have our table open for outreach, but it starts by us having our heart right. Lastly, as, I, as we're reeling it in, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to land the plane here in just a minute. Luke 14, verse 15 through 24 says this, if you're following along. Verse 15, when one of those at the table heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one, I'm just kidding, it's not in a British, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. So Jesus, seeing this as a teaching moment, remember what happened with Peter, when Peter came up to Jesus and said, you are the son of God, and then he begs him not to be crucified in the very next sentence, and he's like, get behind me, Satan, like, get behind me, like, that's what this guy's trying to do, like, he didn't get in on the first photo, so he's hoping that Jesus is going to invite him in, like, he's, he's got a good churchy answer, he knows what's happening, he's just like, yes, Leviticus 13, 7 says this, like, he's, he's just rocking it, like, he's got this thing, he's trying to get in on the photo, however they took pictures then, maybe it was a painting. And he says, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Had a wedding feast. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited. 
Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. The second goes on to say this, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. I just bought a new car. I'm on my way to test drive it out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married. I can't come. That's a terrible excuse. And then the servant came back and reported to his master. It was free dinner, free date night, y'all. This man done prepared food. And you're going, I just got married. I can't come. Mm -hmm. Then the servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry. He ordered every servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. I don't see anybody that was well there. He didn't say bring out the celebrities. He didn't say hashtag this. <laughs> he didn't say, hey, have faith but no action. Hey, have, talk big on Sunday but don't follow through on Monday. He didn't say anything about that. He said, hey, no, 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 no. Go get the people who need to hear the good news and who could enjoy this feast. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room at the table. I wonder how many of us still have room at our table. Some of us got some big tables, right? Get all the leaves in. We got... You know, 40 long, it's like Biltmore House. We got all these chairs and people we could sit at it, right? Then the master told his servant, go out to the, it's a good old hymn, y'all, go out to the hills and the hollers and the lanes, right? Go out to the country roads and country lanes, compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Tell me they weren't, they weren't hick folk back in the day. Jesus knew. They were some hick folk. That's all right. I come from it. That was all right. Jesus knew. Go out in the hills. Go out and get them. They may shoot at you once or twice, but it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be in the south without a shotgun blast. It is what it is. I tell you that not one of them who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. The last thing we have to do, so we've got to get our heart right. We've got to, we've got to reclaim the table for outreach. The last thing that we've got to do as we're talking about being pure in heart is bring light, not the fight. Bring light, not the fight. I see that the, the, the master was angry, but it doesn't say that he took it out on the crippled and the lame folk because the people he didn't want to come didn't come. How many times do I feel that way? I invited this person. They didn't show up. I guess we're just going to call it all off. Do that on Sundays a lot, don't we? <laughs> I do that. Sometimes on Thursdays I do that. I invited my neighbor. They just shut their blinds all the time. I don't know what I did. To, like I invited them to come be a part of this we got to bring the light, not the fight. We don't have to stand up at our table and tell everybody why they're wrong, why their religion's wrong, why what they believe is wrong. It's not got anything to do with that. What if we just be Jesus and understand that grace has covered the table and every opportunity that we have there? What if when somebody invites us in and say, hey, I'm going to let you in on another level of my life, and this is something about me you don't know. So here's something about me you don't know. I'm going to invite you in to my table right now. If I hug you, it's a big deal. I don't know if you know that. I know that's weird. I'm going to ditch you in on two things. If I hug you, it's a big deal. I can go back and I will tell you why. There are moments in my life where people hugged me and gave me empty words, and I project that on everyone. Doesn't mean I'm right for it. It just means there are times that people in my life, like when I've had death and loss in my life, you know how they would go through the line and they would all hug you and we're praying for you. It's going to be all right. And then you never see this person ever again. I hated that. Like it made me think that. It made me think bad about people. It made me angry just like the master was. They're like, it made me angry and I project that onto people. So it's a big deal if I hug you. doesn't mean I'm right in it. Jesus is making me better in it. So like I'm not a hugger. 
because of that, like I'm just not a hugger. So if I hug you, it's a big deal. So I want you to know today, that don't mean you need to go out and post it on Instagram because I, I, I don't need tons of hugs. It is what it is. But like if I hug you, it's a big deal because I can point back to instances in my life where people gave me empty words inside the hug. But the one person who always had their arms around me, who never gave empty hugs in my life was Jesus. He was always there. He always embraced me. He always kept his word. He always kept his promise. He always made me feel like I wasn't alone, especially when I finally confessed him as Lord and believed in my heart that he died and rose again the third day, and I pursued a relationship with him. I pursued being part of his kingdom. I pursued being part of that. It was easier for me to hug people. Don't hold me to that. Now, five of you don't come running up getting hugs. It might not be it. That's just it. But for real, it's hard for me to hug people. Other, other thing. If you go out to eat with me, I may not eat in front of you. It's a big deal if I eat in front of you. It's weird. Like, have you ever seen how people eat? Some people are sectional eaters. Some people are sloppy eaters. Like, let me tell you how my method is. If it's grits, bacon, eggs, cheese, and a biscuit, it's all going to come together. I'm just going to let you know right now, God made that to be like pig slop. It's supposed to go together. I hope you know that. It shouldn't be separated. That's why the grits is runny, y'all. It is what it is. It comes together. But if I go out to eat with you, I'm a sectional eater. And I'm really, I'm really conscious about it. Because most of the time, I'll start with one thing. And if there's macaroni involved, that's usually the last thing because it's my favorite thing. And I'll work my way around the plate. I'll work my way around things. But it's really hard for me. So I don't always eat in front of everybody. I'm real conscious about that. So if I eat in front of you and I hug you, it's a big deal. That don't mean I'm right for it. It don't mean that I'm perfect. It just means when my neighbors come hang out with me and they give me a hug, I'm just going to be like, uh... And then when they give me like a bowl to put it all in, and it's a bowl when it should be a plate, I'm probably not eating. Like when it all just gets thrown in together and it all gets thrown together, I'm probably not eating. But here's the thing. If you don't know me and your heart's not right, you probably think something's wrong with me. He didn't even hug me. What a jerk. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying my best. Hey, did you see how he ate? He didn't like that food. It ain't that I didn't like it. It's just I eat it a certain way. I like savoring that macaroni last. Like it, if this anything, if there's any food, I want to have be my last food when I go. I know that at eternity I'm gonna have some macaroni, but down here on earth, I'm gonna at least enjoy that last bit. I will eat all my greens, all my vegetables, I will eat my meat, but the last thing I'm gonna eat is that macaroni and cheese. Just wanna let you know. But yet, but yet so many times I do the same thing. So I get real conscientious. So sometimes I don't want to eat with you because I'm conscious about what you're going to think about how I eat. And that's really crazy because I'm swollen like that man. I need healing sometimes. So sometimes I got to have people around me that will hold me accountable to that. But here's the thing. When I do eat with you, I want you to know I'm not going to bring the fight. I'm fine with open rebuke. There are going to be times where you have to have correction and discipline in your life. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. I will never get mad at a blind person doing things that blind people do. At sick people doing things that sick people do. Yet so many times in our life when we're trying to reclaim the table where we can get stuck as we expect the world to be Christian. That's where the Pharisees were. They expected everyone around them to act like good Jews. Follow all the laws. Scratch and claw to get at the table. And you might just be in the picture. And one day you'll be at the wedding feast, but you can't enjoy it here on earth. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus didn't die for you to wait to enjoy his presence. Jesus didn't die for you to come and not have peace, joy, and rest in this moment on this earth. But yet so many times we don't think our table represents anything like that. So if you really want to be like Jesus, 
I just want us to make sure that we bring light, not the fight. And how's the best way we do that? Man, we invite everybody we can to the table. You know, that's one of, my, one of the coolest things I love at restaurants is when I see people pulling tables together. And you see like these big things. Uh, isn't that cool? How sometimes there's more room at the table. And then we miss out on this person who's hurting, that's sitting by themselves over in the corner. that's just hoping that somebody will talk to them. And we get caught up in that moment when we can just invite them in. Even if they don't look like us. Maybe they smell and reek of, of marijuana. Let's be real. Maybe they smell and reek of alcohol. Maybe they just... They're terrible. They don't look like us. They, they look terrible. Their hair's all messed up. They're missing half their teeth. But we don't want to invite them in. Hey, I'm guilty of that. We don't want to invite them in because we're worried about what happens with, with our perfect food post. Like, you know, like we're backing up getting the perfect food post or our friends or the conversation that we're going to have. I wonder if we would bring light, not the fight, this Memorial Day to our cookout. I wonder if over this next week we would have an open table, which by the way there's an open table on Thursday night at 625 if you're looking for an open table. I can't say it enough. You're missing out if you're not there. Just try it once. I'm not telling you it's perfection. Just try it once. Just see what happens when you have an open table. It's not about one church. It's about the church coming together and seeing Jesus in a new way. I wonder if we would trust that. You see, as we're getting ready to wrap all this up here and we're going to have a worship song here in just a moment. I'm going to say it to you this way. Jesus brought grace to the, to the table for us. He brought grace down. Maybe you're stuck trying to fight for grace. Maybe you lived in a hard household where you had to earn your way. I get that. And you think you can earn your way to Christ. I'm telling you, you don't have to do anything but receive the gift that he is who he says he is. Maybe... Maybe you think that, that you've got it all together. It's all put together right now, and it looks great, and your, your Instagram posts are perfect, and your, your, your Twitter posts and your Snapchat filters are great, and, and your Facebook posts are perfect, and whatever other social media network there is out there now. Everything's great. And you think because of that greatness that you're a good person, but you still don't have peace because nobody sees you crying at 2 o'clock in the morning and knows what you're dealing with. And I want to tell you, Jesus brought grace to earth so that you don't have to walk through things alone so that you can have peace even in the biggest storm so that you can have a seat at the table. Stop fighting to figure out your position at the table and just receive the gift that is Jesus to be a part of the wedding feast. After this song, we're going to talk to you about what the wedding feast is. So let me pray if you'll stand as we have our last song of worship. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time today. Thank you for the opportunity that we get to reclaim the table. Jesus, thank you first for coming down to us and letting us live in a time like this where we get to live in this country that's free, where we get to live in a country that's, man, amazing, the best country in the world. Not a country without fault, but a country that still was built upon you, one nation under God. So Jesus, let us remember that as we reclaim the table and let us at this moment understand that we have an opportunity to sit at the table so many times in this in this life we can have faith without action and we know faith without works is dead and so right now i pray that our worship would be our action and it would show the true measure of our faith that you are who you say you are I, jesus i'm begging you that our faith 
would be so great that you are who you say you are, that our worship would overflow in this moment and that it would overflow so much that we would be bold enough to take the next step you're calling us to take, whatever that is. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
close out today, the day that, the thing that I told you we would end with this in Revelation 19 9, it says it this way then the angel said to me write this blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb, and he added these are the true words of God and so in this moment, we just had this awesome worship where I talked to you about faith in action. And so many of us are just wondering if we're invited to the table. And here's the thing. This is an RSVP event. It's an RSVP event. The wedding supper of the Lamb. You can respond to the invitation today. There is a seat at the table for you. There's nothing that you can do to earn it, no matter how good you are. And there's nothing that can forsake you from it, no matter how bad you are. All that you have to do is receive by faith that Jesus is who he says he is. And understand that there is a table that he has prepared for you and a seat for you in it. This is your invitation. This is your moment to respond. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I believe that the spirit is moving. Maybe, maybe... Maybe you've been trying to scratch and claw to get at the table just to say that you had a seat at the table with Jesus. You would pay any price to get there. You would do any good thing to get there. Maybe you're trying to clean your life up to get there. Maybe you think there's no way that a God of the universe could ever love me because I, I don't even deserve to be at the table. And I want to tell you, none of us do. See, all of us have always had the invitation, but the only way to be a part of it is to respond. Respond. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe the Spirit is stirring in you and, and maybe this moment you're realizing for the first time that there's a family that you can be a part of, that there's a table that has a seat for you at it. And so I'm going to say this prayer, and it's not the words of this prayer that gets you saved, it's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me because no one prays alone in this house. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you died for my sin and loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. I receive by faith that you are who you say you are. I'm taking my seat at the table. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's for the first time you can say 
that you have received by faith that Jesus is who he says he is and you've taken your seat at the table. I'm gonna ask you to be bold enough when I count to three. Maybe you're watching online, comment, let us know. I'm gonna count to three. Let us know if you just took your seat at the table. One, two, three. If that's you for the first time, get your hand up, comment below, respond because this invitation is for you. For everyone else, as we wrap up, you know, you can look up now at everyone here. No one prays alone. And I know this is a big, hefty challenge to reclaim the table. But here, as we wrap up the day, you know, nobody prays alone. We're one big family. So, you know, I'm not a hugger, but this is your moment. If you are a hugger, go ahead and put your arm out and get your arm around somebody here. And I would love to pray over us. And I would say, if you need to speak to someone or you need to talk to someone, or you need prayer, you can email us at prayer at divine.tv, or if you're here in the house, you just meet us at the garden after the service. We'd love to pray with you as we walk through this series. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to celebrate who you are. Thank you for those men and women who have gone before us and sacrificed so that we can have the freedom that this nation offers. But thank you first for sacrificing yourself so that we could have freedom from the sin that puts us and keeps us blind, lame, and dead. Jesus, you alone are our life. Thank you for allowing us to have a seat at the table. Thank you for being the atonement for our sin. Thank you for, for all that we get to do and living in a time such as this. So Jesus, we pray that you would be with every heart who is in trouble right now. We pray that we would cease uh, every, everything that stops pointing others to you and that we would be bold enough to do everything we can to point others to you even if that means changing up our guest list to reclaim the table. We love you, Lord, and it's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much. Have a good week. We'll be back next week as we continue to reclaim the table, and we'll be hanging out with the YMCA staff afterwards. So look forward to seeing you then.